Hey, I am so glad to come to you with nothing more than a recorded conversation between me and one of my oldest friends, Andy Harding. And in particular, I just want to say, Andy's my dear friend, A, but B, he has an art show right now up at the Tinney Gallery in Nashville. It's the last week of the show uh, this weekend, so right now it's May... Uh, the, today's date's May 15, Saturday, May 15, probably by the time you hear this. And then the show wraps up uh, within a week. I would say definitely go on Thursday, May 20. If you can, because that's when Andy's going to give his talk on this show. He, he's an amazing visual artist, sculpture artist. And he's done a show called Arakoth if I'm saying it right, and uh, it's just beautiful. It's actually it leans on a combination of like space and the ideas of matter, and I would say the ideas of carbon. <laughs> um, you can go to the Tinny Gallery website. I, it might just be tinny.com, but at least look at finding the Tinny Gallery uh, online and get a, a nice dose of some pictures, uh, but you really got to go in person. And I just want to give my old friend Andy uh, super kudos for making this because he works so hard on it. It's really outstanding, and I'm so proud of him. Here's here's a phone conversation we had a couple weeks back. It just is what it is. Enjoy. How are you feeling this morning? Good. Um, uh, yeah. I know you have you have a family event in a little while. Did you remind me again? Is it a a birthday or something? Or no. It's it's just one of Mae's friends that's doing like a, a ropes thing. Was, uh, she's having a birthday and invited Mae with a couple other friends to do like one of those ropes courses outside. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. Do they wear like the uh, proverbial um, oh like like uh, the thing that you kind of strap your legs into? Or no, it's like. It's just more we trust the kids. They may fall. They may not. I don't... I've never been. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming there will be a harness, but maybe not. <laughs> a harness. Yeah. You Have you done, like, the zip line obstacle course, like, through the trees? Has that ever happened in your life? It hasn't. I've... I've uh, I've been interested in, in that. <laughs> I tend to not make things happen. No, I don't think that's true. Um, the main place I did that was oh man, I did it one time in Costa Rica. I did it one time when I was young, in like junior high, at a youth group retreat. Which. Mm. Yeah, it was at a North Carolina lake camp or something. And uh, I did it once in Gatlinburg. So you ha you have to, like, get st strapped in. As you mentioned, the harness thing, you have to get strapped into all that. And, uh, you know, we're at the age where the less the less pressure on the prostate, the better. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean that's, a, that's that's that would be quite a harness if it was actually pressuring your prostate. But. 
Well, I know it's not a direct, <laughs> it's not a direct rub. Um, are you? Are we still? Is this? Is this? I thought this was zip lining. <laughs> did I wander? Yeah. It, did it, I wander I, into a, a dumb, a dumb zip line operation somehow? <laughs> oh man, I didn't. I didn't realize that Zipline does have the fragrance of Leonton Dub. Um, are you? Let, let me just go back. Are you still hearing? Is it, is the audio pretty good, or it's a little weird still? It's great. It was just oh, the beginning. Yeah, yeah it was just. I was, uh, yeah, I was doing one. This made local news last night, but the entire neighborhood of the nations, and it's like a blue sky out, and it's like 5.50 p.m., all the power to the entire neighborhood, gone. And, uh, mm. you know, we thought, well, we thought, you know, someone's digging or, you know, because they're putting in Google Fiber. I mean, that's the rumor anyway. Um, but here's the thing. Like, an hour goes by, and have you ever been on this app called Nextdoor? Okay. It's like We've made also, good use of Nextdoor. Also known as Complainville. But, uh, <laughs> but like, Actually, let me rephrase that. I never use it for, for anything other than just selling and buying uh, secondhand furniture and things. <laughs> right. Um, well, the... The uh, entire thing just uh, lit up with everyone in the nations just like, oh my gosh, my power's been up for over an hour. Why? It's because of the digging, isn't it? I hate the diggers. And then I was just like, and other people too were like, I don't think you could, you could like cancel thousands and thousands of people's power by one rogue. Google Fiber person <laughs> digging, but you know, mm -hmm. it's like a third-party contractor installing all this stuff. Well, anyway, like an hour and a half passed, and Tara and I are just sitting in the dark. We have a few candles, and but it's just creepy. And we finally just went out and started driving around <laughs> to try to find like the line of where the power came back on, which was Sylvan Park. Um, anyway, wow. We we went out to eat at a restaurant because, um, I don't know, it's kind of a bougie response. But we're just like, well, you know, <laughs> we have food at home, but it, it seems like a hassle. And maybe if, if the power is going to be out for a while. In NES, the, the, any, the power company finally did release a statement saying there had been an equipment malfunction. And... Uh, so, I mean, with a description like that, we knew we were in for a long haul. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I had to, I was, I was scurrying around trying to get ready to call you because my, anyway, my computer, my main computer I used, it had shut off. I used to keep, I don't shut it down every time I turn it off. The upstairs, I just turn it to sleep. But it had totally shut off, like, because of the power outage. And then I booted it up, and it was all kind of like, what did you do to me? And why am I trying to ask you these questions? And anyway, 
I, this is a first world problem, but I'm sticking by it. <laughs> well, look, it's nice. I'm just going to, I'm transitioning into our official call. Let's do it. Are you ready for this? Here we go. Hey, it's, you know what? It's good to chat. I gotta, I gotta be honest though. I texted you that picture of Peyton Manning and I didn't hear anything back. Yeah. I, did you get, did you, you get, get the, did you got the text? I got it. And I'm not sure, I, I, I don't know uh, that I have a good reason for not responding. I just, it's like, huh, picture of Peyton Manning with a weird look on his face. And I, I guess I was sort of thinking, well, maybe he's going to follow up and ask me a question about this image. Um, but I, that was the wrong way to think. I mean, obviously, I should have have come up with. Uh, I mean, there's there's a long history of us sending each other abstractions, um, and I should have responded. I'm sorry. Well, I it's not that I can't accept your apology. When I know I. I'm going to take what you're putting out there as your apology and just for a moment let it kind of sit on the shelf. When I send you, I believe inarguably it's the all-time greatest football export from Tennessee. I mean, and I'm not even the na I'm not even native to Tennessee, and I, I just some things you don't mess around with. <laughs> yeah. uh, wait, let me let me just back up. Do you remember where you were when the University of Tennessee announced that Peyton was uh, joining the football team? I do not remember that. Do you remember I, the year, like the overall year? Um, I, I mean, I know the year roughly just because I, I know, um, I think he left for the NFL and he left early, mind you. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm as big a fan of Peyton as anybody, but, um, I, I, I sense a little bit of accusatory tone. <laughs> and just well, for the record, the you know, well, just for the record, he, he had an amazing career at UT, and he was the, by far the best quarterback that they've ever had. But they didn't win a national championship with him. They won a national championship with a guy named T. Martin the, the following year after he left for the NFL. And so that was in 98. Peyton left for the NFL in 97. So I'm assuming he joined Tennessee in around 93 or 4, I think, 94 well, maybe. Okay. Yes. He was a freshman in 1994. He began that year. Uh, he was not the immediate. He was a freshman in 94, and he was not the immediate uh, uh, starting quarterback. 
Um, but in a short, in a short amount of time, he became, of course, his, he became like the signature quarterback for that season, as I recall. And then you remember his dad was Archie Manning. Does that ring a bell for you? I mean, yeah, but I, uh, I mean, just full disclosure, I'm not like a huge football person, but I came, I came by my kind of enthusiasm for Tennessee volunteer football from my father, who I remember from a very young age being extremely excited every time they played, and and also very angry. Um, when they did not play well or made mistakes on the field. And he, he blamed who was at the time Johnny Majors was the coach. And it was a very bittersweet relationship with Johnny Majors in our household. Um, and then that bittersweetness transferred to Philip Fulmer when he became the coach, who was the coach when, when Manning was there. But I only know who Archie Manning is by virtue of knowing about Peyton and, and you know, just being being loosely um, aware of of thing of who he was and that he also was a a very high quality football player. And then I think he went on to maybe be a coach or something. I don't. I don't. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, well, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get a sports a sports center level um, knowledge from me about any of this stuff. <laughs> well, what I'm hearing is you do you feel more Tennessean about the University of Tennessee, perhaps, than you do by just seeing Peyton Manning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, would you, you send me a photo of Peyton Manning with a, a very exaggerated grimace on his face wearing a Denver Bronco uniform. I didn't, my UT Vols uh, DNA did not uh, vibrate. <laughs> I believe I'm starting to understand some of what you're saying. <laughs> I would, you know, we were we were at college in Tennessee, at Belmont during much of UT's and Peyton's years. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't remember you and I because we spent time together most weekends if we were both in town I don't think we sat down and like watched UT play you know like in someone's room or like in a big TV I'm trying to recall some of that I can't yeah I I mean I can't say for sure that it didn't happen but I don't have a strong memory of it happening um, meanwhile our our peers who were actually attending the university at that time were probably pretty gung-ho about the fact that he was, you know, their quarterback and they watched every game and went to, went to probably a lot of the games. My, um, 
you know my wife, Laura. She, her best friend uh, and her husband went to UT and were in Peyton's year. And we're, so, we're kind of even starstruck, a little starstruck, I think, at the time. I think Camille may have had a class with Peyton at one point or something like Are that. You I, just kid- I did not know that. Yeah, for real. That's one, that is one degree away. It is. And so, I mean, they, they're, they're heavy into, uh, UG football and particularly Peyton. And I'm not saying that the memorabilia still exists in their physical, you know, living space, but I think, you know, we're all grown up now, so, but I think, I think they definitely still got it up in the garage. I did not know that. I feel like some of my feelings that you were not as invested in UT football. In fact, I can transpose some, I'm going to say like, I can transpose some healing from your in-laws onto the situation and almost the apology that I feel a little bit hard about accepting seems a little difficult. I feel like some of what I'm looking for, I'm finding from your wife's sisters. It's actually her best friend. That's what I meant. <laughs> um, Camille is her best friend. But we can, we can um, call them in-laws. I mean, they, she's the godparent to my oldest daughter. So there we go. They're in-laws. That's pretty close. Um, well, let me ask you something about Tennessee. It borders eight other states. Do you do you know that there's one other state that has that same statistic? Do you know what state that is? I don't. It's Missouri. No. But. I like to focus on, if you look at the map, Tennessee and its bordering states is more aesthetically pleasing. It's sort of a really nice sort of, it's almost like a flower. And the state of Tennessee is like the middle part of the flower. Hmm. Why do you think that is? You know, it's just, I mean, it's the fortune that we've just, we just have, we've got a lot of good fortune in the state. And I think, again, that, the um, the surveyors, the boundary makers, the political operatives of that time, um, they, they, you, they, either, they, they they either knew what they were doing or they fell they fell into something beautiful when they when they designed uh, the maps and you know we 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 live in that privilege. Weren't you born in Tennessee? I was. What town? A little town called Union City, which is in O'Brien County. It's in the northwest corner of the state. What do you remember about anything from your earliest memories of that whole area? Um, hmm. I remember 
Yeah, we had family around. My my dad's uh, side of the family uh, is from Henry County, which like, the main town in Henry County was Paris, and that's home to the world's largest catfish fry, uh, so they say. And that dad grew up in a little town outside of Paris called Cottage Grove, which is very small. And so we would travel there pretty regularly. Um, it was only about 20, maybe 30 minutes away from where we lived. And, um, you know, just, uh, just kind of classic, uh, rural, Tennessee landscape, rolling hills, farmland, fence rows, ponds, uh, old barns that are about to fall down. I mean, that kind of thing, I mean, I don't know, you've driven around quite a bit, and it's probably, yeah. maybe it's similar in, Virgi in Virginia, but I, I don't know, there's something about uh, this part of the country, and, and it, it extends up into Kentucky and probably um, a lot of places in the southeast. Uh, but I feel like it's somewhat unique uh, to this region, just kind of a landscape of of old barns. I mean, people, uh, artists and photographers have documented this stuff <laughs> for years. Uh, yeah. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's 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 a beauty it's a it has its own beauty and and there's I think there's a lot there uh, but anyway um, back to Albion County well, I, what I, I mean we live we live well, near we live near Realfoot Lake there's you know maybe you, know, you explore what 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 do you want to pick up on that I've just said well I don't let's be honest the barns made a big impression on you. <laughs> Did you have did you have proximity to some livestock? Uh, I mean, not. I grew up on a hundred acre farm, but it was not a working farm in the sense of livestock and everything. Um, it was just we lived in a wooded on a wooded hill, and surrounding that wooded maybe thirty acres of woods was. 70 acres of cropland that my dad did not physically farm himself, but he, you know, leased that to farm for people to farm for him while he did his, you know, his job. Um, but yeah, but yeah, my grand, my grandmother uh, and grandfather on my dad's side had livestock. They had chickens. They had quail. They had, I think at one point they had a pony that we used to ride or a horse when I was really little. So, so they, they lived in, I mean, this is where my dad grew up, and it was a real working farm in every sense. I mean, we ate the eggs that grandmother collected from the hen house when we went there, and it was it was kind of amazing. Um, yeah. It was, yeah, it was nice. But they had, you know, pigs and cows and just about everything. I just looked up Union City on the map, and uh, it's not close to, like, 
mean, you tell me. I don't think it's close to like interstates, like from what I'm seeing. It's not. It's it's absolutely not, and <laughs> it's. I mean, it really is. I mean, I've had this conversation. I don't know if you've had this conversation, but. Um, you know, we used to go to Memphis when I was little to, to see my other, my dad had five brothers and sisters, so, you know, they were sort of sprinkled around West Tennessee. Um, but my, one of my aunts, uh, Aunt Sue and Uncle Bobby lived in, um, Memphis with my cousin, my cousin, they had two, um, two kids, uh, David and, um, Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on my cousin's name. This is so embarrassing. Um, anyway. Wow, okay. that's amazing. Um, that's okay. We, we were not that in touch with him in the past 40 years, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, but we'd go to the zoo down there and, uh, if you've, have you been to Memphis recently? Because, I mean, Memphis it's been, is kind it's of. It's been four years. Memphis is an enigma to me because it's always been larger than Nashville. And um, until recently, you know, until the, the past 10 or 15 years, it's always, it has been significantly larger than Nashville. And um, I think that was why, you know, Tom Hanks' character in um, that movie with the FedEx where he gets stranded on the... Yeah, uh, Castaway. Castaway. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. When he gets back, he he can't believe that 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 Tennessee has an NFL team and that it's in Nashville. Like he's saying, what? <laughs> why why does Memphis not have a team? Anyway, my point is yeah. that area of Tennessee is is um, I mean I guess it's it's in some ways it's an asset, but it's also a liability. And it's from the standpoint of transportation, like. Every all roads, you know, lead to Nashville. In terms of, I mean, if you're going north from Florida or whatever, you go through Nashville. If you're coming south from Chicago, you know, through Louisville, it goes through Nashville to Atlanta. And it's like this is like a convergence point. But the like West Tennessee, except for I-40, which goes from you know Johnson City to within the far north east to Memphis yeah. in the southwest, like, I-40 goes all the way to California, I think. So, it's, I mean, that is the only artery, really, it's if, you're, if you want to yeah. go east and west. There is no, I mean, that maybe have changed now. I think they've made some sort of, like, um, interstate going north and south through there, but there's really nothing connecting that region. So it's, I mean, I think that whole area is, doesn't, uh, experience like growth and sort of economic development in the way that the middle of the state has, and and I think that has impacts on all these rural communities. I mean, the town that I grew up in, um, you know, had the, its its main industry. I think when I was a kid was the Goodyear plant, which made tires, and you know that's gone. Um, and there's just not much to attract people or business to that region really that I mean I'm not I'm not trying to you know downplay I get it <laughs> but I mean, it just it's just a reality I think and and I think that's one of the reasons why Memphis hasn't really 
seen the kind of uh, growth and expansion that Nashville has. It's maybe, I mean, I don't know. It's just weird. Where were we talking about Barnes? Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> one question that came to mind, you haven't, or have you, been back to your childhood home, which may or may not be there. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, it's been... I, I, we went back uh, sometime in the past 10 years, I think, but, uh, I mean, I didn't go inside. Uh, yeah, somebody else but lives we, there now. Yeah, we just sort of drove around and looked at the woods. My parents still own property there, which they've tried to sell, and no one wants to buy it. <laughs> uh, is it is it like uh, is it agricultural land? No, they sold. I mean, they sold basically all the agricultural land, and then they sold the house and about you know ten or twenty acres. So they have like just a few acres left that's in an area of the property that could be developed. Like you could just build a house on it and it would be part, it has access to like an adjacent. We were not part of a subdivision. We just were, you know, kind of on yeah. our own. But we, you know, 500 yards in one direction, you would see, you would there would be a small subdivision with like seven houses in it. And so like, the property that they kept still has road access to that subdivision. So basically, you know, someone could live in a normal kind of like small neighborhood who bought this property, but I don't know. They, they, they were surprised that no one, <laughs> but there's just not, there's no interest at all in, in anyone owning that property. But yeah, it's, it's beautiful and uh, it, it was, it's always cool to go back and see your, you know, where you grew up and stuff. It's, that was very formative. Like, growing up in that spot was very, more so than just having anything to do with West Tennessee or even the state or anything. It was just that, man, I grew up on this relatively large piece of land that I could just roam, like, whenever. Like, I never did. We lived a little bit. I mean, Union City's not big. It's like 12,000 people, and we lived about 15 minutes away from the city, so I did. I never did, you know, Boy Scouts or anything. I just I came home and I kind of did my own version um, by myself or with my neighborhood friend Andrew. Uh, we, you know, we did BMX. We caught animals. We, you know, I would go out. I would come home and go out with my BB gun after school and just see what I could shoot. <laughs> Just good southern living. Um, that sounds so. I mean, that's a matter of degrees, but not terribly different than some of my childhood. So I relate to that. My I had relatives in particular who lived, like usually extended uncles and aunts who lived in the country in Virginia. Or, or northern North Carolina, because I grew up near the border of North Carolina. And, uh, yeah, I would go, and my, my cousins out there would, would, you're basically one of my cousins. You, yeah, you were shooting stuff and uh, finding weird stuff maybe in the woods occasionally. I mean, that was my 
cousins and stuff, they'd be like, you know, some version of, y'all want to see a dead body? <laughs> and uh, it wasn't an actual, it wasn't, I don't recall an actual body, but versions of that, like, you want to see, like, a piece of a skull, or, you know, something, like, yeah, shocking, that was going to, that we probably should have had some intervention with uh, an adult, but they were, it was too much, like, country living to, to worry with all that. Um, yeah. Uh, funny story about my mom, uh, we had a pond, there were a couple of ponds on the property, but the, the closest one was like at the edge of the woods, down the hill, um, before you get to the farmland. And one time there were these people who just sort of showed up and started fishing. I mean, it was a good couple hundred yards from our house, so it was it was pretty far down the hill to, to them. But my mom was curious about who they were, and she didn't have any binoculars, so she got one of my dad's rifles with a scope <laughs> and, and started trying to get a better view of who these folks were. And they saw her aiming a rifle at them and just took off. <laughs> um, your mom and, is kind of like my mom. She gets, when she's, yes, yeah, she, my mom actually, she hasn't shot at people, but she has a rifle, and yeah, um, yes. You eventually, she meant no we, harm. <laughs> you guys, I know part of your story is you guys wrapped up that part of your life, because tell me if I have this right, but your dad eventually got work way up in Wisconsin, right? Yes, he, he was transferred to um to an he stayed with the same he was with the same company i mean the company changed hands a couple times but he was with the same company for like 40 years it was crazy that's amazing yeah yeah um and yeah he would he became he was he dealt with um kind of agriculture products like fertilizer and stuff and um he became like the division manager for Wisconsin, the Wisconsin kind of division, which yeah. covered that whole kind of region up there. But um, yeah, it was it was crazy. I mean, back then in the mid '80s, it was well, Wisconsin, at least to people who grew up where we did, uh, was a foreign country at that time. Now <laughs> it seems like kind of everywhere is the same. To a, I mean, you know, obviously yeah. there's still regional differences, but I really do feel like because people move around so much that they're just less and less, you know, as significant differences. Like, you, I don't know. It just seems like well, a bigger deal back then uh, to us. No, I guess. Culturally, it was just so different. I mean... Everything was different. The, the, the accents and everyone's last names were different, and the you know, like the religious like background and everything was totally different. And obviously, the weather was different. <laughs> you were yeah. You were how old when you went there? I was eleven. Wow. You had to start over with all your friends. Yeah, it made you stronger, right? You would already I think so. I mean, a, a socialization ability. Yeah, yeah. I think I think in the end, I mean, it was difficult. I think it was harder for my sister than for me because she was a few years older, and so she was in middle yeah. school 
and it was like a more difficult time uh, for her. And like she adopted the Midwestern accent seemingly after a couple of weeks <laughs> <laughs> because she she, okay. she she could not she couldn't handle you know people just commenting on and sort of making fun of her southern accent um i think i i withstood some of that barrage for a, a couple of years but it eventually you know you you wear you wear down and you just adopt the the manner of speaking at that age, at least. I mean, obviously, my parents never changed a bit. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. So when I when I came back to you know we met at uh, school here in town, and when I came back here, I had I had the nor I had the northern kind of Wisconsin accent. So I remember not not too many people commenting, but I mean, like. Every now and you know, my friend DJ would would make fun of me, and every time I said yeah. "oh," he would he would go "oh." <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could remember. You know, obviously, you and I met way back in 1993. I wish I I, I never had I never had a clear I, I do not have a clear memory of you having a like a midwesterny accent, um, but I also. I just didn't grow up around that. Yeah, somehow you, I I, your your location in Virginia, you managed to escape. There's really, I mean, you really have a you know a broadcaster voice. Like, it's pretty it's pretty neutral. Well, you know, it's an interesting comment. Uh, my mom, my mom's parents, deep Southern people, literally grew up in the tobacco fields uh, of North Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, and then my mom, <laughs> bless her, she decided, like in high school, she goes to high school. My my grandparents get jobs in, in Norfolk, Virginia, in the time of World War II, and there's the shipbuilding yards, which was like crazy jobs in the city and people are leaving the farms for the city my mom is like a first generation you could say like immigrant <laughs> into the city because um, her parents are like they're real country people but they have jobs in the shipyards and mom's growing up in a suburb and she decides i'm going to speak with the queen's english because no one's going to find out <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, she, she's my mom is great, but she was a little bit overly sensitive to people finding out that that her parents were, you know, kind of from from the you know more you could just say more rural. I'm not saying it's bad or anything. They're just kind of a different culture, and yeah. uh, so my the reason I tell that is mom raised my brother and I with like zero tolerance for dropping the G off of ING words. Mm -hmm. Mom mom names me. I name no one anywhere in my family on any side has uh, the, the <laughs> English spelling of Jeffrey because her aspiration was that I would look nothing like, you know, Billy, Billy Jim or, uh, you know, Ernest T or all the people that she grew up with. Uh, Would and, you say, uh, Jeff, that that there is any kind of um, I don't want to say regret, but do you think your mom was too successful? 
<laughs> I'm just like thinking, that. you know, like, I mean, I think there's an element now of thinking, like, maybe I was too aspirational with Jeff because he's gone, beyond, he's gone too far. <laughs> well, well, we don't even recognize, we don't recognize him yeah. anymore. She, well, my poor mom there, she she does, I think she, and, and I think she would laugh if she was here. She's like, actually, something did go a little bit too far because, um, I, you know, that's it. I, 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 uh, I don't, that's a good question. There's, you know, for any of us, the the sort of unspoken uh, sort of desires that parents have for their kids, and in, in some cases spoken too, uh, they I think they end up getting transmitted to us. Um, you know I you know it's, I mean it's it's funny I I ended up working at Vanderbilt, which is it's not. It's, I mean, and I've been there for many years now. It's actually, in my experience, it's actually pretty, it's truly a university. There's quite diverse uh, stratas of society there. At the same time, historically, it was a kind of elite. It is an elite university, but the the the, the core of it is meant to be diverse. <laughs> Have you said yeah. that? There's an there's a sort of historical truth that it was more elite and and less in, invitational towards different strata of society. So if that makes sense. Right. I, and yeah. I, I bring I bring all that up to say, if if someone was to be like, dude, why do you stayed in this job? Why have you been there? I, I I think I would have to include. I was raised with some sort of funny funny um, aspiration to uh, be in an environment of at least perceived intelligent education educated um, sort of uh, folk um, mm-hmm. the, the thing is and and this is maybe like kind of a, a I think I, I wonder if you have this observation because moving between a pretty rural area and then being in Wisconsin then the rest of your life after you began, you know, and back in Nashville. But there are I think in every in every kind of society, at least, you know, the American South, there are kind, generous, intelligent people in every kind of group. It's not like you don't you don't move to one city and suddenly you've arrived uh, with all one right. kind of thing. It's that's right. at least my experience. Um, you know, there's, uh, uh, you know, I would go to family reunions in rural North Carolina growing up and there was incredible extended, uh, my, my mom's mom was one of 13 siblings and there was just these massive family reunions and I had no concept. It seemed impossible that many people were related. Um, but it's just my brother and I, so like the idea of there being that many more brothers and sisters and my grandparents, grandma. My big point with saying all that is just um, I uh, observed there was all kinds of different people in this same rural clandestine family. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, yeah, you asked, had my mom overdone it? That's an interesting question. Um, you, you can, I think, I think, I think who we are is 
uh, a mystery, and it's tough. It's tough. I'm not saying there's no way to shape who we are, but it's tough to answer that question like from one's own perspective very clearly. Um, I've, the the thing that my personality had that I think my parents didn't expect, and that I don't always know what to do with, is I end up being a very curious person, and I tend to become unsatisfied with simple simple answers when it comes to more elastic or dynamic uh, areas like <laughs> everything from you know not I mean science is pretty fixed like I'm not still questioning gravity or something but but when you get into like more artistic space and you would know this of course I bet you would agree um, when you get into more at the space of ideas and the realms of aesthetics and uh, um, philosophy, spirituality, mm-hmm. there, and some of this is generational too. So I probably should acknowledge that. Um, but yeah. there's there's just more. I have way more curiosity than my parents. I think I ever would have wanted for me. <laughs> In mm-hmm. various, um, they were really, they were really. Um, not expecting that, and and I, and I you know, it's it's uh, I still re- I, it's not a problem. It's just a feature and a quirk. <laughs> Does any of that resonate with you? Definitely. I I mean I think about that quite a bit, and I mean it just I think when you're talking, you know, mentioning like kind of more creative and aesthetic and artistic stuff like that, you know, I've ended up pursuing art at least on some level with with my life, and that was unexpected for everyone. Um, my parents have been very supportive, but there, but there is kind of this strange. I do feel like just coming where I've come from, like that's something that I've had to negotiate, like kind of just um, negotiate in the sense of like how you negotiate climbing a a rock wall or something. Um, Like I don't know how to always fit my, my background in with what I'm doing currently. Like the things that I'm most interested in right now, um, you know, for me to just say, kind of say straight up what what it is that I'm doing to family members, um, not not necessarily my direct my my nuclear family members, but you know my extended family, um, or even just my yeah. This is something that I encounter on a daily basis. Like I mean, my neighbor, I'm I'm working on a show right now, and you know people walk by, it's like, oh, what are you doing? And it's like. It is very hard, even in, you know, a progressive kind of urban environment like Nashville kind of is. Um, it's hard to say, it's hard to know how to explain what you're doing to people, you know? Like when you're doing this crazy creative thing um, that doesn't have a lot of explanation, and it's, and, you know, from all appearances, it seems like the likely to be a complete waste of, of time uh, <laughs> you know it's really hard to and, and you I mean take that times 10 when you go you know back to your family my I'm, 
my aunt, um, we call her Aunt Goose. Um, she's she's been it's been cool. She's on Instagram, so she's been incredibly supportive of like the stuff that I've been I've been posting pictures, and she's just like just incredibly supportive. And I'm just like, wow, that's a, it's great, you know. Um, yeah. But you know, I think it was when I was just starting, like 20 years ago. They were in Nashville. Uh, she and my my uh, uncle John and and that somehow what I my art came up and you know what it is I'm doing and I said something like oh hey, I'm doing these mixed media pieces and Uncle John said oh is that like mince meat um, oh yeah <laughs> it's just like I mean you know that's uh, the kind of yeah. thing it's like oh wow yeah it's like I mean and it's I mean. I fully acknowledge that, like, everything I'm doing is fully worthy of of questioning and of, of making light <laughs> of, you know. But yeah. it is it is a strange place to be, whether, you know, like, whether you're doing podcasts or, you know, um, making artwork or whatever, making music. It's just, it's a... It's a strange spot, and that probably that, that's I think that's probably that's the very old story, and I'm sure it goes beyond the rural kind of urban divide even. Um, but well, I, I I do I I resonate with what you're saying. Um, I think I mean you mentioned it's been 20 years now, uh, and even. Even really, I mean, you were doing art towards the end of Belmont. We graduated from Belmont in 1997, and you were on your way as an artist and creating. You know, you started school in uh, in 93 as a chemistry major Mm -hmm. and did. I truly could not have completed the classes you were taking. They were so scientific, true science. And um, what a what a, to my mind it's a unique pass because by the end of your Belmont years, four years later, you were like I I'm really interested in artistry and in three dimensional art and uh, you were making a variety of different media for your art between books. Mm-hmm kind of specialized books that were artistically crafted. And then there was, you were doing pieces with like more two-dimensional kinds of pieces, but even, but also three-dimensional pieces and lamps. You're doing lamps, all this. Yeah. You were spending a lot of time working on these things by the end of school. Yeah. Yeah. I got that job. Like we got an apartment together and I got a job just because I felt like, I needed some way to make money, and so I got that job in a lab, uh, environmental lab. But I only stayed there yeah. for a year and a half before I quit to be, to be an artist. So it was, yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty nuts. Like I, I, I can't, I can't believe that my parents did not have more to say in in the negative sense. Like they, they were just like, okay. <laughs> like I know that they must have, they must have thought you know. I know my dad 
you know, was probably thinking, uh, he, I think he was probably concerned, but he absolutely did not share that concern um, yeah. with me and, and discourage me in any way, which is pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, I mean, I think any parent would be concerned. I would be con- I'm an artist, and I would be concerned for my own daughters if they announced that to me. Um, so, well, his life, um, which is completely legitimate, but his life had very much been, I am, I am, an employee of this large corporation, uh, or company at least. I don't know if they were corporate, but a company and. Uh, um, to the extent that when they offered him a chance to to really follow their plans, he said, I accept that. And then that's when you guys moved to Wisconsin. Your, you know, what you just told me, I remember you had that lab job. Um, you, and that lab job, I, I don't know, I mean, uh, I was, it was like, it was not like a, what I recall from it, it was a little bit more like a, um, kind of rudimentary work. It wasn't like you yeah. were working, developing, you weren't re- doing research in that lab. It was more like. No, no, no. It was, no. It was sort yeah. Of, but when the, when the chance came, not, when the chance came for you to, to follow the next plan, it was the opposite, really. It was you saying, I actually need more of myself. I need to go deeper into my my own story. I mean, I see that as kind of a unique mirroring. It's not the same. And the timelines are they're not lining up perfectly. But um, it is really different from from what your dad did. And I know I'm reducing your dad's career to short few talking points. But the fact that, I mean, and my dad has, although my dad didn't move, my dad had some versions of this too with his, he stayed with the same organization his entire career. Um, when they had plans for him, he just accepted them and took them on and did the next thing, meaning usually promotions is what I mean, but but sometimes even just like weird roles within a certain job he was appointed to. Mm-hmm. Um, some of your story or a lot of your story is a mirror of that in a different direction. You perceive I need to I need to back away from other people's plans and there's a self reliance to use a fancy, you know, philosophy and a kind of um you you didn't need to find a vocational answer elsewhere. You were able to find some more answers on your own. Yeah, and I think, I mean, just the caveat being, I think you and I both uh, benefit from kind of the secure, the security that we grew up with enabled us to, to sort of do those things. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we I'm not yeah. sure that if we had grown up in a, in a more precarious situation that we, we would have been so bold with our <laughs> yeah. with our choices to sort of, oh, we're going to pursue such and such. You know, and I, I just, I think I definitely was, um, was kind of cashing that privilege uh, token, so to speak, with 
my decision to be to leave my job and be an artist because I, it's not like my parents were supporting me uh, financially they they weren't but but there was always like that that just that security there of, of that's this thing that we were never in want or anything and so um i think that definitely colored my uh, my ability to sort of launch myself into the void of, of a creative <laughs> uh, vocation without a lot of concern for where things would fall. I uh, I totally agree, and those are those are those are feelings and realities that are. <laughs> it's like you can't even expect. I mean, my parents can understand it up to a point, but they can't really. They didn't have that in their own lives. Like I said, my mom's my mom's parents right. were so so very much like greatest generation. Could not imagine not working all the time, um, and kind of that in the most classic sense, making America great by being productive. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. um, and my dad has a lot of that same energy. Uh, a little different situation for my dad's parents. Um, let me um, let me bring this lovely conversation to uh, a landing point. When I ask you, you have an art show coming up. Can you say a bit about it and then say the date? Uh, yeah, um, I'm doing. I've got a show at uh, Tinney Contemporary, which is in downtown Nashville, on formerly Fifth Avenue. Now I believe it's John Lewis Boulevard. Um, and um, I'm showing, it's a solo show of the sculptures that I've been working on, um, and it's, uh, my interests uh, kind of revolve around themes of sort of uh, the universe, nature, um, It's it can be incredibly broad at times, I have trouble um, reining it in my focus at times, but um, but these works are sort of um, about space matter, like and and what and how that what does that have to do? Like what does all the stuff out there have to do with with our our Earth that we live on and and our kind of daily lives and that kind of thing? I don't know. I'm still working it out, but. Um, Basically, I've I've been collecting wood and carving um, these asteroid type pieces out of the wood. <laughs> I've seen I've seen them. Um, your postings on Instagram they look fantastic. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, like I, like I said, it's uh, it's 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 difficult to to put into words like and to explain to someone what why like why would you do that? Like why would why would you spend your time <laughs> uh in that way? But um but it's been really fun. I mean I've really enjoyed the the pursuit. I think that's what in going back to my past as a sort of a chemistry major, uh I think that's what I've really enjoyed about this process is the fact that art has opened up an avenue for me to 
explore in a broader way um, some of the things that I'm interested in. Whereas with science, I think you remember we did the I did that summer thing in Mississippi State that year, and it was just I do remember it was, that. A, re it was a research program in organic chemistry and. I think that's where that's where it clicked that it, this just wasn't going to work for me because it was so narrow. Like I spent the whole ten weeks down there trying to get this one reaction to work in the lab, and like, and I had to write an entire research paper about this one reaction. And it's just, it was, you know, and and I, I that's necessary for for you know for science to progress. You have to be focused and on that and that level of detail, but. I just am interested in broader picture things and, and the research that's gone into um, that I've done for this show has been really fascinating. I've been learning a lot about um, different things that have been happening uh, in terms of space exploration and what we've been discovering about the con, you know, the, what these different, because we've landed um, a, a lander on on a comet, Jeff. Did you realize that? <laughs> we have collected samples from a comet. Um, Unbelievable. The European Space Agency launched something, uh, the Rosetta, in uh, 2004, and then 10 years later, they landed their their um, their lander on on a comet and collect and took photographs. And I mean, it's just incredible stuff. Um, and some of that has kind of been uh, inspired some of my thinking with, with doing these pieces. So it's just fun, like, having free reign to just explore whatever topics uh, interest you. Yeah. This anyway, show's date. <laughs> no, no, no. This show's it's great. This show's date again. It is. I, I believe, I mean, I'm doing the installation uh, sometime in April, but I believe the opening okay. is Saturday, May 1st. And I'm I hoping you remember. really, yeah, the first Saturday uh, in May. May Day, yes. And I believe it's from 6 to 9 p.m. And I'm really hoping that we can all kind of get some vaccinations by then and just, I mean, we'll obviously, I'm sure it'll be masked, but I'm really hoping that, you know, it could just be a normal opening almost um, and that we can, you know, everybody can show up and, and enjoy themselves without uh, maybe as much concern as we've had uh, for the past yeah. year. So, yeah. I'm excited about the show. I'm planning to attend and uh, I really enjoyed our conversation, which has been wide ranging. It has um, covered a lot of topics, but I think it's all what I expected. I thought we were going to focus mainly on Tennessee, and it it it's beyond that. It seemed like we, I mean, we definitely covered some Tennessee ideology, but it seemed impossible to stop <laughs> what was going to come forward, and uh, I um I feel I feel totally over you not texting me back with the Peyton Manning thing. <laughs> like, there's, I now have no attachments to which I had like an hour ago. That's great. So thank you. I think this helped with a lot of that.
Thank you for giving me a um, thank you for giving me a second chance. Well, I wouldn't even call it a second chance. I would just say another chance. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, I hope you have a really good rest of the day, and we will catch up more in the near future. All right. Take care. All right, man. Take care. Talk soon. Yeah, bye. Bye.